We live on a placid island of ignorance. I'm Arthur O'Higgins, Arctic Explorer. You've probably heard of me. In the midst of black seas of infinity. Do you feel the call to adventure? Be quite frank, sir. I... My preference is to remain in my laboratory. You're about to flee to Antarctica. You don't want to end up like your buddy on the floor over there. You're going to answer some questions. And it was not meant that we should voyage far. Oh, boy! <laughs> The 1930 Miskatonic Antarctic Expedition concluded in disgrace and tragedy. Bear witness as the Starkweather-Moore Expedition sheds light on the unsound minds of the past and the terror that awaits at the cold wastes in Chaosium's epic campaign. Guys, we just murdered someone. They could be working for Lexington. Quite frankly, this is all quite exciting. It's like a Christie novel. Welcome to Beyond the Mountains of Madness. Before I get into things, a quick shout out to Papa Crow, Kate Tully, for following the Instagram. If you follow, you'll get a shout out. Thank you. A bit of a changed pace and some lessons learned in this session. Due to complete fault of my own, I did not manage to record my own audio throughout this session. So I was left with a beautiful three-hour recording of only the investigators talking and all of my amazing, beautifully, one-of-a-kind delivered scripts are nothing. So, changing things up, we have a 30-minute uh, speed run of what happened on that session using all clips from the investigators and then my small bits of narration in between to give context. I know it's not the most traditional run-through of an actual play podcast, but I hope you're all still able to at least enjoy the beautiful contributions of our investigators. Thank you, and expect a normal episode next week. Enjoy. To begin, Eugene gives us a brief recap on what happened last session. So, if I remember correctly, at least for um, the, the, a lot of the, a lot of the time was spent getting making sure the ship was uh, set up. Um, Eugene and others spent time taking inventory around the boats. Uh, Arthur took some time uh, assisting with the build out of uh, dog cages. Daisy was checking out the engine. Um, Arthur and Daisy both had some modifications that they recommended. Uh, Arthur's was because basically the dog kennels weren't built for dogs. Uh, Daisy's was there was something wrong with the engine that was going to uh, cause an overheat. Um, meanwhile, while they were taking uh, inventory, they discovered a large amount of missing equipment um, and were working out with uh, um, Moore, Doctor Moore, um, about about getting it and getting it in place. Meanwhile, Starkweather um, decided to push the schedule um, due to the uh, um, early departure of Acacia Lexington flying south towards uh, the Antarctic continent. Um, hopefully, making her the first woman to reach the South Pole. That's her hope, um, which uh, threw Starkweather into quite a bit of a tizzy. Um, and he elected to move the ship forward 
um, with the supplies still in unknown uh, unknown status, um, and uh, Eugene um, elected to call his university to let them know that basically they were going into a death trap, and the university let him know that there were several other parties who were vying uh, for the um, the South Pole at the same time, including a group of Germans who had departed in advance of the Starkweather Moore expedition um, and Miss Lexington, who was on her way down south, um, or shortly to be on her way down south. And I think that about covers it. Directly following the reading of the mysterious warning last session, Eugene and Hubert brainstormed to try to find out what the letter means and who really dropped it off. Um, well, Hubert, did you read the letter out loud? I believe so. Uh, or maybe maybe we were both kind of looking at it, like you were looking over my shoulder. Yeah, I would definitely have gone then. Definitely go okay. out the door. Talking to the front desk clerk, Eugene and Hubert discover that the letter was handed off by a civilian who came in from outside. They rush out to try and find that man. Uh, I'm going to kind of stop him and say, Ex- excuse me, sir, did you, what, what does this, did you send this letter? What does this mean? The man tells them he himself had been approached by a stranger and given the letter, paid $5, and told to approach the Amherst front deskman and hand him the letter. We return to a lost thread from last session where Evelyn had been requested by Starkweather and Moore to catch up with Commander Douglas at the train station as he arrives in New York City for the first time to collect him, introduce herself, and ferry the man to his proper hotel. Evelyn is able to find the man with some difficulty and communicates to him that they are headed to the hotel. He believes her, and she starts him up in conversation. So, Starkweather brought you back out for this. Uh, You're not excited to return? I mean, Starkweather did did confirm that it will be a much smoother path um, we have a lot of different things coming in just to ensure safety um, so it doesn't end up like last time. Commander Douglas appreciates Evelyn's reassurance and continues to express his unwillingness to return to the ice, explaining some of the dark feelings and emotions that have sat with him after all this time. Evelyn spends most of the day with Commander Douglas successfully charming and persuading him to find some comfort with her. He wishes her well and appreciates her help, and she's excited to have him on the journey. After some point, we switch over to Arthur and Daisy, who are both preparing a bit of a bar crawl of a day. They do this in the Purple Cup, the go-to drinking spot for most of the expedition staff. Arthur looks for some friendly faces and finds first mate of the Gabrielle, Paul Turlow, who is also at the bar having a drink. Yeah, I'll go up to first mate Turlow. 
This isn't going very well. We're losing. We got lots of missing stuff. It's ordered stuff. Want a scotch? Turlo is in best spirits and believes that the party will be able to correct all the mistakes that they've found so far. Arthur is almost as optimistic. Well, we don't really... There's a lot of distrust that we're going to be able to get very far. We'll probably get down there and, you know, we'll all, like, freeze to death or something. But I'll try to prevent that from happening. Daisy, do you want a scotch? All right, I'll buy a round of drinks for everybody. Just to get on everybody's good side. Can't hurt. Daisy's just kind of going along with the flow. Definitely happy that a drink was bought for her. Drinks flow. The party manages to make some friends at the bar. We switch over to Eugene and Hubert, who continue to pursue the deliverer, maybe writer, of the mysterious warning. After learning that the letter was handed off from a stranger to a stranger to a desk clerk, they step outside the hotel, look down the New York streets, and I ask them what they're doing next. Well, guess I never really thought about this. There are quite a few streets. <laughs> there are quite a few places he could have gone. Um, what do you think? You go, you go east, I go west? So I think, um, hang on, I'm going to take a look at the note again. Um, I would, uh, so Eugene would, would have a, as they turn the corner, then the note says, um, Blessed Mary. We'd actually look for, like, Catholic churches. So is he following the street and looking for um looking for a, a person that meets that description, the blonde haired, fair skinned, clean shaven um person, uh, young man. He would be on the lookout specifically for um Catholic churches. Because Blessed Mary is a uh, he he would Eugene would know that it's a it's a thing that, that the Catholics that most other religions do not. Yes, that's a good that, that's a very good idea, Doctor Akalai. Uh, and then I think I'll follow you uh, and kind of be, keep a lookout. The pair turn the corner and head off in the direction of Times Square, just as the supposed letter writer or hand offerer supposedly did. From there, they immediately spot one of New York's largest and most famous landmarks, St. Patrick's Cathedral. They decide to head inside, and through some coy looking around stealthily, they identify a man, no, two men, sitting in pews that both could match the description of the letter writer they got from that helpful citizen on the road. Planning to confront one or both of them, they split up. Yes, that's a good idea. Uh, I think I'll, I'll go in my direction and just kind of try to basically 
wait the guy out, wait for him to stop praying, and wait for him to get up to leave before I do anything. Yeah, and Eugene would do the same thing, just kind of in the same pew, so he definitely has a good view, or behind the, the other person, but like making sure that there's a good view on him. And he would, if Hubert walked out first, he'd let him go. Um, he'd focus on his person. Yeah, and I, I, I would be staying behind, um, behind my guy. The two of them patiently sit behind and quietly watch, listening to the service. They find that both men match the description of a red-haired individual, pudgier, about the right height, wearing a trench coat and a cap. They're not sitting together, they're not interacting. Either of them at this point could be suspects. And then, one of the men gets up to leave. Uh, I'll kind of uh, interrupt him, kind of walk beside him and say, Excuse me, sir, I don't mean to be a bother, but uh, we uh, me and my colleague received this note uh, at a hotel, um, at a hotel we're staying at, and uh, we heard that a uh, man by your description it off. I'm I'm terribly sorry, but do you uh, happen to remember uh, uh, sending this at all? I'm kind of I'm trying to charm him a little bit. The person Hubert's talking to seems confused. Doesn't understand what this letter means, where the Amherst Hotel even is, or what's going on. The man Eugene is sitting behind seems to take notice of that conversation and gets up and tries to quickly leave. Yeah, so Eugene, seeing hit the person, his mark, so to speak, get up, would actually get up and head the opposite. Like, if he's going left out of the pew, Eugene would go the opposite direction out of the pew and um, kind of walk and try to keep pace. Um, and basically, his goal would be to of meet the person um, at the exit that they were trying to make, but make it look as unintentional as possible. As Hubert continues to give detail after detail about this letter, the other man becomes aware that he, in fact, has been discovered, and Eugene's mark, so to speak, begins running away. Eugene, in response, tries to catch the distance and is suffering for it. So he chooses to stop and yell out, Heavenly Mother, help us now and at the hour of our death. The man running away from Eugene looks back with wild eyes and shouts, You fools! And runs out the door. Uh, Hubert will... Yeah, Hubert will see what's happening and say to the bald man, Oh, I'm terribly sorry for disturbing you, but I think I found my man. And then just <laughs> immediately start running after him. Uh, mine is uh, not good. It's 45. 60 is mine. Hubert turns to run and continue pursuit. Eugene running out the door, trying to keep an eye on the man as he sprints out of the church. The man continues sprinting down the street as Hubert joins Eugene outside in pursuit. I try to shout after him. Uh, 
Sir, I will pay you if you just tell me what you tell us what you know. Yeah, Eugene would would continue to just yell things after him. Uh, you know, um, uh, sir, please help us, sir, sir, please tell us what you know. Help us, help us. Um, we're we're I, whatever he can whatever he can get out in the in the breaths while he's running as fast as he can after this person and if should he lose track of like visual sight he would ask anybody on the street like where 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 they are like where if they saw this person go down a down an alley he's basically doing everything he can to kind of get this person to turn and address him the man manages to run away from the two of them as they don't roll well on rolls to pursue. He finds the nearest subway stop, runs down, and is lost to Eugene and Hubert. They return to the cathedral and have some words with the father there, and the priest seems to have no real information about him. It's a dead end, but the beginning of a mystery. Our investigators, Tony, Nevelyn, they find themselves still at the hotel this day while Eugene and Hubert are chasing letter writers. Interested in finding out more about Lexington and what caused this rash decision to move up the deadline, Tony has a plan. Yes, I'm going to approach Miss Walker. Uh, Miss Walker, good morning. Morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks so much for asking, Miss Walker. Of course. Miss Walker, there is something that is uh, bothering me. Uh, you remember the other day when the Starkweather stormed the, in the room with the newspaper and telling everybody about the. Uh, yes, fully. Uh, I, I, was... I very much remember that. Yes, he was very startled and. To be honest with you, I am kind of worried that there could be, you know, any decision on a whim because he has some issues with his lady, and I would like to know more about it. I mean, first of all, we are already uh, advancing the expedition like five days because yeah. of this. What is yeah. going to happen in, in in the ice? I mean, I'm worried. I have to tell you, Miss Walker, what do you think about it? I... I'm also very worried. I have been ordered to speak with our captain, and I have been trying desperately to keep him in good faith all about the expedition, but it's very hard when I am also nervous about it. I was hoping to see start weather this morning, but I don't see him around. Um, I wonder, like, is there anyone in the room we could ask where he is? Well, why don't we look for him and also see if we can get some information about the true relationship with this lady? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, the, lead the way, Miss Walker, and I will be very gentleman and, and show mm. you, you know, open the door to the... <laughs> they decide to head out of the hotel and to the warehouse. Looking around at all the different people, they're able to find Starkweather and more still on the dock in the warehouse, currently in discussion about something. Once the two of them notice that Tony and Evelyn have entered, their attention will turn over to them, and Moore will say, Good morning, Tony, Miss Walker. 
Yeah, good morning, Mr. Moore. I would like to you to see some of the pictures, some of the photographs that I've taken in the past few days. Well, why don't you why don't you see it? and I, I will you know spread all over uh, him like you know there's a lot of him. Look, look this one. Look this one here. What do you think about this one? But you can see that you can see that we are actually very well prepared, or or not. We are we are in a very good stance, right? And why are you so worried? Why are you so worried about this Lexington, huh? Attempting an extremely literal interpretation of fast-talking, Tony has tried to confuse and disorient Starkweather especially by asking him these repeated questions. Flabbergasted, trying to answer every question as they come, Starkweather responds to that final one about Lexington and says something to the effect of, She's a witch of a woman. She causes trouble wherever she goes. I have no prior relationship with her that's of interest to anybody here. I never said that you were in a relationship. I'm asking you, why are you so worried about that? And Starkweather replies with, I'm not worried about the woman. I want to beat her. More, handle this. And he will turn and walk away from the group. With more sighing in the background. I, I, I would do a quick glance to walk to Evelyn. Like... You know, uh, just a quick look. Moore looks to them both and says, I know you have a lot of questions. You're clearly worried about the jump in schedule, and I'm sympathetic to that. Um, yeah. Moore, do we have any contacts with Lexington? Any, like, discussions? Like, To which Moore interrupts and says, No, there's no contact with Lexington. Starkweather has all but forbidden it. It's a cold line of communication, to say the least. Moore, through questioning from Tony and Evelyn, admits that there is some past business between Lexington and Starkweather, but insists that it's not his place to tell. And although they try to pry, ultimately they're left questioning what exactly happened in the past between Lexington and Starkweather? Why is this relationship so soured today? After some time, Moore thanks them both for their interest, their concern, and lets them be on their way. And Tony and Evelyn are left to look for other outlets for this information. From there, the group moves forward with the day. The Tony and Daisy both go to the ship to help with the inventory and do more investigation, where they do end up discovering more problems with the inventory. They bring those to more and hopefully get some help for that. The rest of the group realizes that they have a lot of questions about who Acacia Lexington is, the Lexington family, what Starkweather and Lexington's goals were, some more details about what happened on the Miskatonic University expedition in 1930. They take all that curiosity, bundle it up, and carry it on over to the New York Public Library where they all proceed to make some rolls on library use and describe what they're looking for. I believe that we were here to learn about the previous expedition. Yeah, I want to look up any of expeditions to the Antarctic. Get a better understanding of how to survive there. And I'm specifically going to search for um, newspaper articles about the previous expedition. 
honestly just any information about the previous expedition. Well, you know, I'll look into Stark Weather and all that, just to see the background. The information, it has been prepared for them. Moore sent ahead already and had warned them of this, that the public library would have a handful of files on what happened with the Miskatonic expedition, as well as any other useful research on Antarctic and polar expeditions at large. One of these pieces of information, the most important, you might say, is something called the Dyer Report. For the initiated, they would recognize this means William Dyer, Professor William Dyer, the leadership of the Miskatonic University expedition, and a survivor. William Dyer wrote this report, submitted it to the public at large, explaining the details of their expedition and the tragedy, and it was redacted. Before them, and in the Google Drive, is the redacted Dyer report, which tells a story of expedition, excitement, confusion, and loss. This is something the players have the opportunity to explore over time and to continue to question what's behind those big black bars of censorship. From there, the investigators have a handful of news articles to read concerning Lexington's history. Evelyn will read us the article that covers Lexington and Starkweather's background. The Dark Continent, where the the wonders of nature can turn on man and prove deadly, has shown once again that wherever European man goes, so goes chivalry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, chivalry. Wireless reporters out of the bridge of the Belgian colonies in Africa tell of the daring rescue of our own socialite scamp Acadia Lexington by the gallant Englishman Captain James Starkweather. Lovely Lexington has been touring the regions of darkest Africa dominated by the mighty Lake Tang... I have no idea how to say that. Um, I gotta find my glasses. I'm not wearing my glasses right now. Oh well, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> savage fight daily with the alligators longer than a Duesenberg Duesenberg to ensure that the passage of commerce in this wild region. Against the advice of her elders, Lady Lexington insisted on upon seeing the fabled giraffe mating grounds of the Asai EIC or something like that. Under the expert leadership of Captain Starkweather, the band braved the weather the what the whoo the wild wilderness, and arrived at the plains of the tall, swaying grasses the giraffes find so compelling for their very survival. The wild beasts, gentled by our own lovely Lady Lexington, came within a few feet of the party without making threatening gestures. Lady Lexington's presence was so compelling that when she came upon the baby giraffe in the grasses, she immediately tamed it and was able to even embrace it briefly before it returned to its herd, earning her the nickname among the savages as the woman who the giraffes love. On the return to Nairobi, uh, sudden rains caught the party crossing a branch of the mighty Nakuru River. 
The party was nearly lost as savages panicked under the onslaught of the rain and river. Brave Captain Starkweather rallied the natives and had them chop trees and fashion rafts to carry the supplies to safety. A personal trip by Captain Starkweather to a nearby village preceded enough canoes to carry the party across the river. The crossing was treacherous, but under the skilled hand of Captain Starkweather, the entire party made it to the port in time for Lady Lexington's return trip to America. We'll all be thanking Captain Starkweather for the safe return of one of the brightest lights in our social season. Hurrah for him and hurrah for chivalry. Interesting. Another important article is found. Apparently... Acacia Lexington's father died tragically several years past, and she made public comments about it. A shocking scene greeted police today at the P.W. Lexington mansion on Fifth Avenue today. Uh, they came to investigate what appears to be the death of one of the New York City's greatest individualists at his own hand. Percival Woodrow Lexington was discovered in his study dead from a gunshot wound to the head. Police initially suspected foul play from the disheveled nature of the study. But there are obvious powder burns on his head and right hand, said police detective Ronald O'Meara. That, coupled with the position of the body and gun, lead, lead us more toward a self-inflicted wound than foul play. But his daughter Acadia did not agree. Daddy wouldn't kill himself. These buffoons are lucky are, are looking for an easy answer to keep from doing any real work, the distraught young woman said. I vow I'll find my father's killers and make them pay. Meanwhile, an anonymous Wall Street source has hinted that the Lexington fortunes were severely overextended. The sky in New York society has grown dimmer this evening, and the murky surroundings of this death surely spur further inquiry. That further inquiry is discovered by the players. It's found that while Acacia Lexington was initially violent in her seeking of retribution for her father's, well, she doesn't believe it was a suicide. Shortly afterwards, Acacia retracted her statements and told the public that she believes it was a suicide and she would ask everyone to stop inquiring about it. The players have several chances to improve on skills that they've picked up in the library, given the research that they've done. Tony and Daisy's work on the ship is fruitful, and Moore is appreciative of all the findings and mistakes that they've offered the opportunity to correct. From there, the crew has a quiet night, hits the bar, goes to bed. And when they wake up the next morning, head to the Rose Room, there's some buzz and a distinct lack of leadership. Newspapers and discussions of those newspapers are abound. As somebody reads the headline, Famed Sea Captain Murdered, Watery Death for Commander Douglas. Oh no. What? Yeah. No. The old man died? Is that... My buddy! With Evelyn's latest friend and the only captain they know dead, the fate of the expedition is left in question as we finish for session three. Look at me.
I am the captain now. Sorry, <laughs> I had to. I, I had to. That was good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, damn, guys. Okay. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Mountains of Madness. Credit where credit's due. Much love and thanks to Chaosium for the fulfilling system and amazing story. Thanks to my hilarious and talented players who drive this story every week. Thanks to Epidemic Sound and Sirenscape for providing much of the beautiful soundscapes I work with. And much love and thanks to you, listener. Do you feel the call to adventure? Join us every Friday for this podcast or at mom.beyond on Instagram. This journey will tear your heart out. You've been warned.